Uh, hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Indie Club Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Alberto Ares. Alberto is currently living in Brighton, UK, but he is originally from Venezuela. Uh, he's a sales guru, I'm going to say, or uh, like amazing guy in sales. We had a chat before I, I got a chance to meet Alberto. I love his story and I invite him to join me for the podcast so he can share a little bit more. I'm going to let him introduce himself and then we're just going to start. So Alberto, go, please. Hello, Tom. Thank you for inviting me and thanks everyone for listening to the podcast. Hi, great. Uh, so I know that you are CEO of RevEngine and you have a company in UK, but uh, before we go into what you actually do now, can you just tell me a brief story? How do you actually come to Europe and to UK? Sure. Uh, how brief is brief? Uh, so we, have, we have all the time in the world, so you make it as brief as long as you want. Uh, there's like, we have no f uh, f format here that is, uh, you know, uh, official. So whatever you right. want to do, just do it. Tell me, uh, tell me a little bit more and let's see where this goes. Sure. So I hope I'm not going to take too long. Uh, I wanted to share three stories about three different moments in my life that took me where I am today. So. The first story is about how I went from rich to poor. When I was a kid, I was uh, born in Venezuela in a you know, middle upper class family. And all of that from one day to the next disappeared. Uh, I went from living in one of the poshest places in Caracas, Venezuela, to one of the toughest slums in the, in the city. So pretty quickly, I had to learn how to adapt. Uh, shootings were common uh, every night. So it was pretty dangerous. And what I did, basically, I had a relative who was involved in a community of handicapped people. So I would kind of... Uh, every weekend, I would uh, go with them. I would support them. They would run, would not run, participate in marathons. And that's how I kind of shielded myself from all the madness happening in my, uh, what I, I lived at the moment and started to learn the values of working hard, seeing all the work that these guys, you know, physically challenged people had to put in to be able to uh, participate and win in sports if, contests. If you don't mind me asking, what happened? So what happened that made you go from, you know, being in a rich uh, part of town to suddenly poor? If, if, if it's too personal, don't, don't, you, can, you can feel free to skip it. But if you want to share, I would like sure, to. Sure. I, I don't want to bore you with the details, but basically, you know, bad luck, bad decisions in the family. Uh, we lost some of the businesses that we had and my family, some of my family went back to uh, Spain. Initially, you know, my grandparents went to Venezuela. They were farmers. They worked hard for 40 years. So they built a uh, mini empire. So we were lucky to enjoy that. But things suddenly changed. They had to go back to Spain. And, and, and I was left off in, in that situation, basically. Oh, okay, cool. Th thank you for sharing. Uh, no, no, no worries. My pleasure. But uh, I guess the moral of that first part of the three-part story is that, uh, you know, adapting and giving back to people in need and understanding how hard those, uh, that community of uh, physically challenged people and how much work they put into it kind of started to give me uh, the sense of why it's important to work hard and what's why it's important to adapt and give back, right? So that's, that's one of the, the three. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, I agree. This is why I actually uh, do this and why we have a community and what because i believe in in giving back and and helping people uh especially people who are starting out and people who want to change something 
So if you have an experience that you want to share and you can help others, I think that's one of the best ways to go. So, so thank you for doing this. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, so second story is, uh, you know, jumping forward, to, I was 17 years old. So my grandparents told me, hey, why don't you come to Spain and study at the university with us? And so I decided to leave my girlfriend, my family, my friends, everyone behind to, to take that opportunity, which was pretty tough. Uh, so first day in my class, you know, math, uh, English, all the subjects that I would see in a day, I had absolutely no idea what they were talking about because the jump in the level of education was so high from Venezuela to Spain. So it was pretty super tough, you know, and as a consequence, I had to study about 18 hours a day for nine months, no weekends to really get to the point where I leveled myself up. And that's when I kind of learned the that you really need to sacrifice in order to achieve your objective and you really need to have that objective in the first place to be able to achieve it. So that was the kind of the second, the second part of the story. And the third part of the story is again, jumping forward, I graduated from university, um, I'm an economist, so I, sorry about that. Um, at that point, the economic uh, crisis. It was 2007. We could see the economic crisis looming in the horizon. So I decided to come to the UK uh, to learn some English and see uh, what opportunities I could find. I was, you know, I had just left university and you know English and you absolutely nothing. And so I started working in, you know, pretty humble jobs, uh, but I flew through the ranks pretty quickly. So I all of a sudden uh, got a job at one of the largest uh, FMCG companies in the world. And then they asked me, do you know how to speak Portuguese? Because we need you to speak Portuguese. And then I said, yes, I do. Yeah, but I really didn't know any Portuguese. So I, I ended up taking the job, taking a crash course, learning Portuguese. And then um, I did the job perfectly fine. And that's when I started my career in sales. So I went from different sales jobs then I started working for uh, technology startups in sales was promoted again to leading sales positions uh, and more recently I worked for Gardner I don't know if you know Gardner yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah so they, they influence 50% of the IT buying decisions out there so in there I was helping CEOs of emerging techs grow in Europe and that's when I realized that a lot of technology companies had great ideas and great teams, but they didn't know how to sell. So that concept stuck with me. Nonetheless, I started, you know, I, I continued my career in sales. I ended up working for the fourth largest cloud company in the world, but I wasn't comfortable in those positions. There was a lot of politics involved, you know, backstabbing going on. And so I, wasn't, I was never really comfortable with, with that environment. So I decided to start my company, RevEngine, uh, with the aim of helping emerging technology companies that have cool, cool products, great ideas, but really don't know how to go about selling. Don't know, they might struggle with lead generation, they might struggle with uh, how do we sell consistent, consistently, how do we build a process that works, how do we hire salespeople without having to fire them three months later <laughs> and uh, losing a bunch of money in the, in, along, along the way. So that's that's why i created the company a couple of years ago and and that and here we are okay great uh thank you for sharing this you i think you're the most prepared guest i had 
in the show till late. Like you actually came with the story. Uh, so this is great. Uh, uh, I think you're going to inspire people who are going to come up next. Uh, so you, you, I, I have a lot of questions now, but like, like I want to go to the beginning. So uh, when you came to uh, from from Venezuela to Spain and then you started uh, college and you obviously had to sacrifice a lot of your time and, and a lot of people I know when they're when they're young, it's it's hard to sacrifice your your having fun time in order to 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 set up for a better future and what was your motivation what did what did you kind of have in your heart to go forward and actually you know not party but actually do 18 hours a day and study and learn and, and come back just basically you know seeing a lot of people in my uh, network how they were struggling because they didn't do the hard things when they had to do them yeah yeah that's a that's a great answer if uh yeah i agree there nothing to add uh, <laughs> yeah so you moved to uk uh and you didn't know english when you moved or you started to learn english i i, I thought i knew you know i thought i knew but i remember arriving at the gatwick airport and asking for directions to uh hastings which is the first town i lived in and i couldn't understand absolutely anything that man told me <laughs> And at that yeah, point, well, I thought, wow, I'm really depressed. <laughs> to be completely honest, I speak English. I started speaking, well, I learned English when I was in grade school. And I've been learning English my whole life. And I knew I could watch the movies and everything without subtitles. Everything was great. And first time I came here, <laughs> and then I realized that I've been reading a lot of English names completely wrong because I grew up on watching American movies, American TV shows, and it's mm. completely different English. Completely different game, yeah. And and there are, and there are some towns and some uh, some underground stations in London that, that have too many letters extra that you don't need. <laughs> and I didn't know how. Like, how do you get to Worcester Square? Like what? <laughs> Like Leicester, it's the last. No, it's it's Leicester Square. Yes, Leicester. So so yeah, I was completely bummed out on day one. Like oh, I can't read English. I was like oh, it's not can't, it's can't. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. I'm learning, still learning, still going there. But but yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's Absolutely. a process. Uh, I was I was so proud of I know English so well, and then I got here. I was like, no, you don't. <laughs> like, you <think laughs> I think it happens to a lot of people, Tom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but but spending time here, I think it gets better. Uh, <laughs> both both you and me, we are now speaking in our non-native language, and I think we're doing well. So that's right. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, okay. So you got here. Uh, you started working, and like I'm on. Uh, you mentioned that you. Uh, you got tired of politics when you were in a company and you and I agree I hate that in the companies whenever you think you're going to be outside of it you somehow get pulled into that and it's just I think it's just human nature uh, I have yet to find a, a company where uh, where I can see that there's no politics uh, and I'm not counting startups here startups are fairly small people are more kind of uh, on the same level than in big companies so but in big companies I haven't seen that yet so I totally understand of the the reason but is were, were there anything else from your side that made you actually start a company and move away from like being a part of a part of a machine and doing something on your own what, what was the biggest motivation yeah i think it was a bit of luck a bit of timing and a bit of being tired of everything as well so i had this client i had really worked well with in the past and he was really happy with my services i remember 
you know, we clicked on really well. We even, you know, partied hard back in the day at one occasion in one event. So we ended up being friends, you know, people in your network, I believe you need to maintain that network and, and nurture that. So um, I reached out to this person and said, I noticed that your company is in this stage and, you know, this is what I can bring to the table. And then timing was perfect. I started working with that specific client and helping them, you know, define their targeting, the proposition, their internationalization strategy. We went to an event and we generated a, you know, a huge pipeline and partner opportunities for that specific client. So that's how everything started. And since then, we've kind of developed the services around, around that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I know when a lot of people are starting out, sales is never on their mind. They know that like they need to sell, like offer and sell their services, but to like nobody who is not doing sales is not learning sales. So people kind of start their business and they go in fairly unprepared. And I'm saying this from experience because I did the same thing. I was like, I'm gonna do the best company for web design and graphics and blah blah blah. When I, when when we started, it was like this, like yes, you're good, but I had no idea how to sell. So, what would be like your advice for people who are starting? What would be the first thing they need to do when they actually go into starting a company or going freelance and have nothing, know nothing about sales? What would be the like sort of checklist that they need to do before actually starting out? Wow, this is a huge topic, Tom. So you I mean know, it? I know it is. So <laughs> let's break it apart. Uh, yeah, I know it's a yeah. huge topic, but let's say, oh, I want to start a business. And what is yeah. the first thing that I should keep in mind when I'm starting a business in terms of sales? Because I know a lot of people, they often rely on their network and recommendations, especially coming from a company, you know some people, but at some point, Gonna, you're going to exhaust that and then it's going to come to an end. How do you go from there and now, okay, I need to find a client. What would be the first step to take? Right. So typically uh, people first sell to their network, right? So if you have something good, maybe reach out to your network, uh, see if there's any needs for that. Hopefully they'll pay you for that. They'll help you develop the product and you'll see whether you have a viable idea or not. So recommend always to try and target your friends, your, you know, the people in your closer network to see if you have something that you can actually sell. Uh, now, if you want to take it uh, a step further and professionally, um, I wouldn't go and hire someone to sell for you because if you can't sell your own solution, it's going to be pretty hard that someone else, no matter what, are going to come from scratch, a salesperson, take it, take it on board and be able to sell your product without your knowledge, right? So what I would recommend, first of all, is that you try and nail it, that you try and build a process for, uh, you know, sales process that you kind of know uh, is repeatable and you get to a point where, you know, you can have, uh, you mentioned the checklist uh, back there and i found that really interesting there is a book called the checklist manifesto and it talks about how surgeons manage to decrease mortality by implementing a simple checklist things that are very uh, you know common sense like is this the right patient am i operating the right leg things like that that might seem silly but by performing that checklist they manage to you know kill 50% less people. 
and in the same in the same fashion you can stop killing your deals right by implementing that checklist and and that what that looks like essentially is you know break down the process typically three stages and try and uh, and and note and understand what do you do at each one of those stages okay so this is what i do in the first call this is what i do in the second call this is what i do in the third call try and document that and try and uh, and and put that to paper and try and follow that and tweak it until it's something that's repeatable and something that you know uh, is going to work for you something is going to close close business so that's from a sales perspective right uh, however the main challenge that companies uh, face is typically lead generation. You know, once you've exhausted your friends and your network, how do you reach out to people outside your network? And the first thing that you need to stop and think there is, who are my best ideal clients? You know, segmentation is a best thing. Just because any company needs uh, web development services doesn't mean that they need to get them from you. So try and think, what type of clients you've served in the past? What did they look like? Did they have a specific problem? Were they from a specific industry? So all of these kind of things, sorry, one second. Uh, all of these specific things uh, that are common to you and your clients, you should try and note that down and that will somehow form the specific client, ideal client that you should focus on. And then from that point, uh, you need to try and build uh, one 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 way to do so to reach out to people systematically would be LinkedIn. You know there are 600 million people uh, on LinkedIn, so chances are that if you have clients, they will be there. Um, so you could try a an approach where you know you build a, a certain cadence of messages where you systematically reach out to those people that you've defined before uh, with a 50% uh, canned approach and 50% customized approach. And then just you know, do, the, do the work and, and measure everything you do. In there, you'll find that a lot of people give you some excuses or objections and that you can use to improve your messaging and targeting going forward until you get to the point where you're happy with the results. So, for instance, one of my one of our clients, they came to us. We uh, what we did, we uh, prepared the segmentation, we prepared the value proposition, and we prepared his LinkedIn profile. We took over his LinkedIn profile and started reaching out people following this this process. And we got to a point where we were, you know setting up five to seven leads per week for the specific client. So the process really works. Uh, it's about uh, not going overboard, uh, doing a lot of A-B testing. And, and we were talking about this before we started the call today. It's not about building the best cadence ever written. It's about building something, test it, measure it, and improve it, right? As opposed to spending one year building the perfect campaign and not launch it. Yeah, and then you launch it and it fails and then you feel lost. <laughs> <in it. laughs> exactly, and, and that's gonna happen. So you need to get over it. Yeah, 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 yes, I, I agree. So uh, I, I know that a lot of people feel that like, I don't wanna be the guy spamming random people online. I don't wanna be that guy that just kind of 
slides into their inbox and like, oh, hey, do you want to buy something, whatever. Mm. And it's, I don't, I know it doesn't come natural for everybody to build a rapport with whatever, whoever they're working. Uh, so like, what do you think should be the best approach in these terms? When you define mm. your ideal client, do mm. you, I know it's not smart to approach them and say like, hey, I know that whatever you're doing is shit and I can make it better because people will immediately become go defensively and like, oh no, what, what are you saying? But you, you can't do that. So you need Yeah, to, that wouldn't go that well. Yeah, yeah it, it wouldn't go that well. So you need to approach them uh, and come from a per perspective where you want to help them, right? Mm. And, mm. and you want to yeah. be the person that's helping them achieve something better. Uh, but how to do you have any advice on how to convince people that you are the person to actually be the one solving their problems? Hmm, hmm. Yeah. So uh, I don't. I don't think you can convince people. I don't think you can show value. You can only uncover value, right? So uh, that's why you need. Part of it is a numbers game, right? You need to reach out to a certain number of people, and then you'll you'll find the prospect that's interested. But I would say the key here is to really add value you know if you've done your homework if you know your client type and you know how you can help be valuable you know add value in those conversations when you reach out to them so that yes that means content a lot of people are scared of content thinking that they need to create the best content in sliced bread but that actually isn't the case so for instance if you know your clients are struggling with the specific topic, like I know my clients are struggling with lead generation. So I have a guide that I share with them that explains how to do uh, lead generation, which by the way, I'd be delighted to share with you guys if you're interested. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, if you don't have that content yourself, maybe there is a larger authority in the field that has uh, you know, talked about the subject that you help with, you might want to piggyback on that specific content and provide that link to your clients. So for instance, one of the things that we do is help minimize the risk behind hiring and onboarding salespeople. So one of the clients we were working with, for instance, they hired three salespeople and they had to let them go nine months later and they, none of them sold absolutely anything. So how do we help with that? We basically help clients calculate the cost up front so there are cost calculators out there that weren't that they weren't created by me or my company but i still share those with my clients to help them know what they're going to get into from a financial perspective so if you have that content yourself share it if you don't have your content your own content try and piggyback on third-party content and share that with your audience as long as you're helping and you really know you can help you're convinced you can help you know they're bound to uh to to respond then also as i mentioned before it's a numbers game so you need to try uh, with a large uh volume large enough volume and also you need to try to reach out to those people a number of times uh, research shows that you need to reach out to people up to 14 times until they reply, pick up the phone with you because everyone is busy. Even, even if they're interested, it's going to take that many touches. And also you should change approaches. So if I send you an email today, tomorrow, three days later, I contact you over LinkedIn. And if I find your telephone number, maybe five days later, I use that. So uh, yeah, I would say content, 
be helpful, try a volumes, add value, and, and, and you know, use different challenges. Uh, yep. channels sorry yeah great answer and just like what you said on uh, piggybacking on third-party content uh, I know that a lot of people feel that it's kind of uh, you're stealing somebody's content or whatever and and I just want to say that it's not true you never sign your name under somebody else's content that's stealing but I have a couple of uh, people and a couple of friends in my network who are really into some of the things that I kind of like, but I don't have time to invest a lot of time in. And mm. one one of the one of my friends who's also part of the community is an amazing product guy and he's a product owner and listens to a lot of product podcasts and a lot of books he reads. So he invests a lot of time into this little segment of the market that I really like, but I just with everything that I'm doing, I don't have time. So I rely a lot on him. He's basically uh, filtering content and sending me uh, value. So I think that's really good. So whenever somebody is sharing third-party content, I don't think that it's a bad thing. It, I'm very grateful when somebody g gives me exactly the tools and content that I need, that it's not necessarily from them, but they are in, in a way curating content so I can just know and have the best things that they have. And I think it's really great. So if you can be the person that provides content and it's not necessarily yours, but it's curated in a way that you get a lot of value out of that, I think that's great. There are a couple of really great newsletters that I'm subscribed to that basically give me a, like, oh, this is a book I read. This is the article that I've seen. This is a tool that I use. And I know it's not that person's content, but I know it's going to be useful to me. And if it's not, I say thank you for the email, archive it, and just wait for another one. So I think that's great. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, if, as long as you're, you know, you don't want to replace their name with yours, right? You want to reference to them. And that's all. And that's not stealing. Exactly. Uh, so, so yeah, especially when it comes to books, like I'm going to reference to you know, like your content links that you share, everything that we talk about, I put in the, in the link description, then people just, just go, you know, down the rabbit hole from there. And, and like just a couple of days ago, I had a interesting conversation with a friend of mine about a topic that uh, I kind of know, but basically, not enough for for us to have a, a deeper discussion so he's he sent me an article said read this and send me a, a wikipedia link and from there i went to five other topics that kind of branched out in all of these different things and, and i spent a couple of hours reading about all of these different things that are really interesting that i never actually invested enough time into that to know more and now we said, like, yeah, now I know enough that we can have a conversation and I want to learn from him. So, so if, if you can get that for somebody, I think that's a really great approach. Absolutely. So, okay, cool. Uh, moving a little bit more uh, from what you actually do in sales, uh, what is your uh, approach to how you work? Uh, I always ask people how do they approach the, their tasks. And a couple of days ago, I posed a question in, in Slack asking, uh, Let's say that you have one big task that will take you four hours to do, and you have four tasks that will take one hour per task. Which one would you tackle first? Four smaller tasks or the one big task? And how would you prioritize? Right. Okay. Uh, I used to have a manager uh, back in my sales days at Garner. She was, she was fantastic. And she would use that analogy, which didn't make sense at the time, but now I understand. She would call it eat the frog somehow. And what she said basically is, you know, I really hate frogs, but I know that I have these specific tasks that I have to do every day that they look 
like a frog and I hate them, but I know I have to eat them somehow. And so she would, at the beginning of the day, do get that done, get that out of the way. So if you start with, by doing the thing that's most important and what you hate the most, then everything is going to go downhill from that, that, that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you, would you take the big task or the smaller tasks? Oh, right. Um, it, it really, it really depends. Um, it really depends on your, on your preference. So big and small tasks, I think that the, the, the important thing is to have your goals, right? So you need to have your goals that are smart, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic timeline, time, timely, right? And once you've defined those goals, uh, I think you need to break down your time into the activities that are gonna get you closer to that goal. And everything should be in your calendar pretty much. So I know when I start, what I'm going to be doing, you know, what, what time of the day and so on. And so what I do uh, personally is start by doing the things that are most annoying and that take the longest. And then I probably move on to the things that are a little bit less annoying, take a little bit less time, and then end up the day with the things that I enjoy because I know even if I am tired, I will keep on, keep on doing that. Yeah. Does that help? So, does that answer the question? Yeah, 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 it does. Uh, there's no right or wrong answer. I, uh, I think uh, this is the question I'm going to be starting asking everybody who joins the podcast because yeah. I want to hear different perspectives. And uh, a couple of days ago, there was a question posted uh, about uh, how to basically plan out some of your tasks during the day. And one thing that I started doing uh, a couple of years ago is you write down tasks that you want to do today. So these are my goals for today. And I would write next to the task how much time I think it's going to take me. So let's say I need to answer all my emails in my inbox because I like to keep my inbox down to zero. So hmm. I, I say, okay, I, I, I need 30 minutes to answer all of my emails. I have 12 emails, blah, blah, blah. so three minutes per email. It's going to be 30 minutes uh, and it's going to be done. And I would project 30 minutes and then I would start doing it and then I would time it and then I would see that it actually took me like hour and a half and not 30 minutes. So, so I would say, okay, <laughs> these are, you have like eight hours or six hours, how many hours you have in a day for specific tasks. And I would round up everything to be like, if I'm 100% efficient, it would be like this. And then you actually miss like 50% of your target. Uh, and it's good because you can you can adjust for for the future, and this is something that it really blew me away because I was in a way lying to myself how much time do I actually take per task, and it was a revelation like oh okay it's <laughs> hour and a half not thirty minutes, and like we like we talked before we started the podcast sometimes if I'm really focused and. I can be dedicated to a task with zero interference, then it will take me much less time. And especially when I'm working for a client, I know exactly what I'm doing. And when I'm working for myself, nothing's ever good enough. And, and you don't know how to shape or do something. And then it takes three times longer. So, Absolutely. So you want to, the reason why you measured that is why you want to be, you want to know productivity, you want to calculate cost. Or exactly. Why I, I wanted to, First, first thing, what I wanted to do is like know how much time it takes me to do certain tasks. So I can calculate sure. how much work can actually take on and not to 
over promise and under deliver which, sure. which kind of happens sure it's like can you do this in a week of course i can do this in a week not a problem <laughs> and then it's sunday evening and you have half the work to do and it's like it, because one thing that that i realized is when i have distractions it's easy for me to procrastinate and i did struggle with that a lot and there's a great video that i've seen uh uh about procrastination it's a TED talk from uh, uh from a guy that writes blog way but why uh it's 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 a great thing it's uh, uh i think it's wait but oh, why let me just uh yeah Wait by why by Tim Urban. Uh, I'm mm. gonna I'm gonna put that in the in the link of of uh, of the podcast once we're done. But it's a great it's a great uh, explanation of how procrastination happens. And <laughs> one thing that's kind of helped me is it says like everybody procrastinates, and that's true. But one thing that people don't realize is that they are procrastinating on their goals, mm. and there's no deadline on your own personal goal. When you're working with a client and there's a hard deadline, then you can pressure yourself to actually do it. But when there's a deadline on your, there's no deadline on your goal. So it kind of procrastinate, just times goes, uh, goes by. And then you realize, okay, I missed a lot of opportunities because you just fooled around. Uh, so it was, uh, it was motivating and I'm going to share it with everybody. But yeah, it, it is yeah. something that. Absolutely. Something that I used in the past is a tool called Clockify. I don't know if you are familiar with that. So it's pretty good because first it's free. Then what you can do is you can build different projects and, tasks in there and you can measure how long it takes you to perform each task and then you can see real reporting on how long it actually took you to do certain things and if that is actual work you can put a price to it and a cost to it and see whether you're profitable how long it's taking you and so on yeah it's a, it's a good thing if you're tracking something that you're doing on a computer uh i used an app not sure, it, it was not this one it was something else also for time tracking and it basically tracks how much time you spend on certain uh, websites mm -hmm. and i would start doing a task and then your it just it's so funny that my hand automatically goes to alt tab and i just type in like facebook or whatever or twitter and it just and my subconscious just like opens the opens the tab automatically so uh i found a plugin for chrome that basically kills all the social websites all the news sites it kills everything so when you actually even open it it just gives you either a motivational quote or you can write a custom message like go back to work asshole and and then you just <laughs> <laughs> which is really good uh, to, yeah to i can see that working for you know for a lot of people and it works and it works it works for me and what i i'm a strong uh, advocate of using uh pomodoro technique because yeah. it really is it's easy for me to segment my time and then i say okay this is the task that i have but mm -hmm. I, when i started out i also miscalculated my my pomodoros because i thought oh this is going to be three and then it turns out to be eight uh, uh but it's a good thing to have those five minutes of, of downtime uh recently the last couple of weeks what i started to do is uh try to zone in to when i'm working and like put down the blinds in my office put my headphones on play music and then kill everything else just not, mm -hmm. not like oh i'm really working like really concentrate 100 and just to try to focus and it actually really improves the, the output i was just one way that, that, that this thing actually works so mm -hmm. i don't know if you ever do this like yeah absolutely so this clockify tool also has the pomodoro technique built into it uh along with calendarization so if if you have if you know you have half an hour 
to do something. I can't remember exactly uh, the term, but the more time you have to do certain tasks, the more time you'll end up spending doing it. So that's why it's important to have deadlines and calendarization. I don't know if you remember, for instance, uh, back at uni, you knew you had to study for an exam, which was you know nine months down the line, and then you would probably take all that time studying for something that you could probably crunch in a couple of days. So that's kind of the same concept, absolutely. I agree I'm with gonna, you. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna check out the, the tool because it, it looks like something that I would use. So, so yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, okay, going back to, uh, I wanna talk about, I wanna ask you about your uh, rev engine and you, you said that you have your process and, and working with companies and, and it's like it's something that's repeatable. And uh, how did you actually, you know, I need to phrase this properly. How did you go from, okay, I want to build a process that helps people to actually defining it in detail. Hmm. And then uh, you're offering it to, to everybody basically to help them with their sales. So how did it came to be? Like, I want to hear how you did it, not like everybody else does. How, how I, what's the question? Sorry, how, how did, did you, my sorry, process? How did you, yeah, exactly. How did you build your own process? My process what, for my company. Exactly. And right. how did you build your process for a company? And what would be your advice to help people build their own process? How, how to approach building their own process? That's basically the question. Right. Okay. So there are process designer tools out there, which is a spreadsheet that you can use to try and map out uh, the activities in your sales process. Happy to share that with you guys as well, if you need it. Uh, that's, that's a good first step because that gets you thinking on not only the things that you need to do to drive the deal forward, but also the things that your clients need to do. So the first thing is to try and map out the stages of the sales process. So that's what I did initially. And then try and map out the things that I did in each one of the sales uh, process. So, uh, how I came to building mine. So we have our own proprietary sales process based on value selling methodology. Um, and that it's already a, a canned out of the box process that a lot of my clients start using because it incorporates uh, different frameworks, methodologies and high activity uh, frameworks, as I mentioned before, to make sure that you do the right things at the right time. And how I came to build it is basically by using my years of experience in sales, all the business acumen and sales acumen that I've acquired over the years in this very super expensive training that I've gone through in these large organizations that I used, and basically try and democratize that and to consolidate all that training and all those practices into something that any company can adopt and start implementing from day one. Obviously that would need to be tweaked uh, to the specific company because there are certain things that are personal and individual for each organization, but at least you have something to start working from, something to build upon. And the things that you would see is for instance, you know, four stages, it's, uh, it's very simple. It's discovery, uh, solutions, then uh, negotiations and close, yeah, four stages. And then things like, okay, so what are the checks that we do 
in the discovery process well first you need to prepare right you need to prepare for the call you need to do your research you need to do... so that's a checkbox and then uh, there is some um uh, materials and and videos and how to's that we provide to help clients do that then the next check would be okay i'm actually in the call how does the qualification go about well you need to try and find out their objectives problems they want to solve what's the value in doing that so qualification then the follow-up okay how do you send a, an email to the client what do you include in there you know how do you make it urgent how do you you know construct a plan to work on with the prospect to be able to progress the deal forward so all of these things you know preparing for the call executing the call qualification what you do afterwards so these are things that i've that i've gathered knowledge that i've got, gathered throughout the years and then basically i consolidated all that knowledge and materials into a process that that can be executed and 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 that's how i came to build it okay i think that's going to be useful for a lot of people especially for people who are starting out and i i will add in the link the the your resources that you mentioned yeah so i'm sure people can can uh can find value in that and they, they can reach out to you if they want to know more i'm going sure. to your website and your socials and everything so, so i'm sure that you can help uh i want to i want to keep like it for the for the end of our little conversation i want to keep something more open-ended is anything that uh, i missed that you want to add to everything that we discussed today uh, I just that uh, you know, I really strongly resonate with what you guys are trying to do. I think it's a beautiful thing, and a lot of people have great ideas and uh, a very viable business idea. And it's just important to, you know, for those people to, to first of all stop procrastinating and do it, <laughs> and and then to make sure that they they don't make the mistakes that a lot of people have made in the past uh, you know go, going back to the first story that i told you before you know it's uh, it's it's often best to uh, try and use uh, the knowledge and experience of other people to try and avoid making the same mistakes and i i, I really uh, like what you guys are trying to do and and it's great that you're building this community to to help each other, uh, you know, achieve their their objectives. And if you can, uh, you know, uh, basically get uh, that knowledge from that community instead of making those mistakes yourself, it's you know, why not do it, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I think it's yeah, you should learn from everybody else's mistake and then skip a few steps <laughs> yeah, absolutely if you can avoid all that pain why why all the zone pain can't be avoided you know you need to deal with it but you know the more you can avoid the better yeah i agree some of the there are there were some pains that i learned in my own experience that some people actually try to help me to avoid but i didn't listen Hmm. And I thought that I was smarter, I'm going to do it better, and then ended up doing it the same, and then learning the, all of the lessons the hard way. And if I could go back 10, 15 years, slap myself around, and say, like, just <laughs> listen to the people who are trying to help you, you know, just, just, just grab myself over, just like, goddamn, listen to the people, uh, and, and read books. Uh, uh, I think it would be, it would be yeah. much better. But as That's long as one. we, as long as we know that we are, uh, in a place that we can learn now. I think it's great. Uh, and thank you for actually 
doing this and joining the community and, and being here to help everybody. I think it's going to be great. Uh, hoping we're going to get even more people who are starting out so they can they can ask you for the advice and myself as well and everybody else in the community. Uh, thank you for sharing uh, sharing your experience and taking the time to, to join me. I will link every, everything else uh, in, the, in the show notes. Uh, and I think that's it. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you know how this goes and hopefully we can do another episode soon. Uh, in maybe in a year's time, we're going to have what, what did we learn? <laughs> everything that Alberto showed us. So, so thank you. <laughs> thank you, Tom. It's been a pleasure. And thanks everyone for listening. Keep hustling, guys. It was great. Uh, I hope to see you soon. Cheers. Bye now. Bye. Good luck. Bye.